Welcome to the Roll for Crits podcast. Podcast where we're going to talk about board games, card games, RPGs, stuff we've been playing, stuff we're looking forward to, news, and more. Very, very excited because this is our 20th episode. I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And Jonathan, because it's our 20th episode, yeah. usually I have you pick out a selection of die, but I'm actually going to use uh, the die from our set that has been on our set for I don't know how long. Wow. Uh, it, it is weighted technically. <laughs> no, wait, uh, wait. This is the giant die? <laughs> no, this is the... Well, it's, it's a normal-sized D20. No it's, a, oh. no, it's bigger than... It's like not giant in the sense of like a beach ball, but like <laughs> I would say it's big as a ping pong ball. You know, it's okay. a little bit bigger. Okay, that's special. That's special. And for anyone and who doesn't know, of course, we should just say, if you don't know, roll for crit. Of course, a crit is a 20, so that's why this mm-hmm. is special. Yeah. And let's see what we get. All right, here we go. <laughs> well, there's a two in it. Uh, is it a two? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? In some ways, that's good news, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so I took the liberty, since it's a special occasion, it's our 20th episode, I went back through our first 19, and I wrote down the stats of what numbers we've rolled in our first 20 episodes. Because, you know, I thought it'd be cool if we could get one through 20 somewhere in the mix we didn't quite hit that mark however two was one of the ones we were previously missing oh we're so so close to bingo you've crossed off one of the numbers uh we're still missing four eight ten and (laughs) fourteen those are your lucky numbers today everyone uh in their first 20 episodes we rolled uh two ones so we have two critical misses which i say are still crits uh we rolled two sixes and two 18s and 120. We have one critical hit under our belts so far. Uh, but you know what? The spread is pretty even, mostly in the mid to high teens. So I say overall, we've done pretty well in spite of our two for this episode. <laughs> hey, it's just the zero is just not there, but a zero is worth nothing. So it's kind of like a crit. Uh, but here's the good news is that we have a lot of help uh, and a very fun guest I'm excited to get to know and talk to in today's episode because joining our party this week, you can catch her playing and talking about board games online and on Twitch with the handle Panda Angel. Uh, that's with an eight in place of an A in Angel. Please welcome to the show, Amanda Panda. Woo-woo. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know this was a special episode. I mean, I was, you know, when you said this is our 20th episode, I was like, you're almost legal drinking age. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Next the week, we will, be, we will be hammered. Yeah. <laughs> it's be yeah. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, time. dear, you rolled a two. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah. the, like Jonathan said, the die knew it, it, the cross off. That's It's just helping us. Yeah, there you right. go. There you go. Right. Yeah, we had some we had some real highs and lows. We're coming back somewhere in the middle. But we appreciate you being here, Amanda. We, you know, we, we put forth a call and you came in to save us. And hopefully we're going to have a good time today talking about all sorts of topics. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, with that intro and, you know, the roles and everything, I feel like this is going to be a fun this is going to be a fun podcast, even yeah. though you rolled a two, even though there's a two. <laughs> yeah, let's keep those vibes. Let's keep that rolling. Uh, as we start with our first segment, we're going to talk about the board game news from the past week in the news roundup. News roundup. Now, you were excited before, but I don't know how you feel after hearing that bumper. <laughs> that's like, brought the mood down. No, I love it. I was like, oh, okay. you know, that was recorded, pre-recorded. You just play it. And I'm like, oh, I should add that to my Twitch stream. Like some mm. kind of like pre-recorded, you know, 
uh, soundtrack that I can just play every once in a while. Yeah. Jonathan is open for commissions, everyone. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll send you one for free. Just tell me what you need. Because <laughs> uh, it's worth less than that. All right. So <laughs> a lot of stuff has happened in the past week in the board game world. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a... Uh, this is our 20th episode. It's going to be a fun show. However, that being said, we are starting with a decidedly not fun story, uh, but it is something that we do have to talk about. So I'll put on our serious hats for a minute. There is a company called the Broken Token, which makes box inserts, organizers that you can put inside your existing board game boxes, uh, different trays and things to store everything better. They also make uh, crates, like so a whole box in itself that you assemble yourself with glue and such. They're uh, made of wood. And uh, this past week, uh, the CEO of the Broken Token, Greg Spence, was uh, accused of sexual assault, sexual harassment by a former employee, Ashley Taylor, who uh, wrote up a post on Medium stating, uh, and I I won't get into all the details, we will put a link so you can uh, read it more in depth, but essentially uh, saying that he had, over the course of her employment, uh, harassed her, abused her, put her, uh, held her job in question if she didn't do what he said. Uh, he he at one point left his wife and said that he did it for her in spite of her refusing his advances numerous times over. Just generally a, a lot of uh, very unpleasant uh, dealings uh, between these people. And she came forth, she said, specifically because she was aware of him doing the same thing uh, to at least one other person. And even after she eventually left the broken token, she says that he would stalk her and cause her discomfort at various conventions that they were both attending. Uh, Greg Spence responded to this and um, pretty much denied the statements, uh, although he said he expected more to come out as well. There is some kind of strange uh, language in his in his statement that he made afterwards. And in the wake of this, numerous companies, including Cephalo Fair and uh, Bezier and Yellow, some others have said they have canceled their agreements that they are no longer going to be working with Broken Token as a result of this. So a lot to take in here. And this is, you know, uh, this is something that it's not the first time we've seen something like this in the board game world, certainly not uh, in in other industries uh, in the past few years. A lot of these things have been coming to light lately. This might be, to my knowledge, one of the more high profile ones. Uh, Amanda, what what is your overall? What was your reaction to this? And you know, what what do you think? What do you think is the way to respond to this going forward? How do you feel about the responses from uh, Greg Spence as well as these various companies? So, like, the first thing was, like, I believe Ashley. I I believe what her, she said, her story. Um, everything I read really jives with uh, what I've had, you know, experience with. Um, I have actually am a um, sexual assault victim, and uh, everything was on par with what I actually experienced as well. And I think that the main thing was that people need to listen to the victims, you know, and, and, and not automatically say, oh, he's innocent until proven guilty. You know, it's really, really hard to prove 
sexual assault unless someone videotapes it. It's even harder to prove emotional, you know, mental abuse as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel that she's, you know, very courageous to come on and put this out. I am very happy with the companies that said they will stop uh, working with Broken Token and have broken their contracts. Those companies, you know, are raised in my eyes like that I can trust them uh, at, with my dollars and they're not going to put it towards something, you know, somebody that I wouldn't want to be friends with or I wouldn't even want to sit around a table with and play a game, even if it's like a short game. Um, a uh, in regards to his response, it was, it was not a response. It was just like, oh, you know, like, of throwaway almost like oh no it was more like oh me and my wife are fine you know like <laughs> we're over it right and i'm like okay but you didn't you didn't say that you were completely innocent and you even at the end said that there's going to be more stories coming out but i don't really think she said that there's going to be more stories coming out um and I'm reading all the other people that, you know, support her. And there's some ex-coworkers or some current, you know, people that work for Broken Token that like, yeah, we saw her emotionally break down. Uh, but then like, why did no one do anything? Why, why was she not, you know, getting help? And why didn't they, you know, ask her what's going on? And it just went on for too long. I think too many people saw things and, didn't do anything about it and it went on for too long now i have to say that most abusers will isolate their victims right and i felt like that was her like he was isolating her um you know making sure that she had to work in order to you know live in order to have uh, money to eat and have a roof over her head and then you know the sexual abuse doesn't have to be rape it can be just as simple as touching her butt or brushing against her breasts, even on the side, you know? And those are all versions of sexual assault. And I can see that very easily happening, especially in a small area like a garage, uh, especially when they're in the beginning, there was no other people around, you know what I mean? And then when she's into deep, she kind of, you know, is almost like blaming herself. Like for me, it was like, the abusers make you feel like it's your fault, make you feel like you asked for it, even though all you're doing is trying to get through the day, even though all you're doing is trying to just make enough money to make ends meet. You know, they make you feel like uh, you're part of the abuse, that it's your fault you're being abused. So it was, it was very heartbreaking to hear her story. And I'm very glad she got out of that and she's now in a better emotional place and a better work environment. Um, I think that, you know, Greg Spence needs to just be banned from any convention um, mm -hmm. and that Broken Token should just not be, you know, part of any um, reputable publisher's line. Uh, I personally never bought anything of theirs. Uh, I've never really talked to any of their employees, um, but I believe with Ashley and uh, I'm very glad there's a lot of uh, publishers that are out there publicly stating they will no longer work with Broken Token. And in the past, other 
when other allegations come up or um, other issues come up, you know, the publishers haven't said, oh, we're going to stop selling that game or we're going to stop, you know, having a contractual obligation with that person. But in this case, I'm glad that they are doing that publicly and standing up and saying that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, there was one recent example where it was uh, the designer, uh, Danielle Tascini, who had made some like racist remarks. And there was a a one or two companies I know that said they were not uh, going to continue working with him. But certainly it's uh, it's rarer than it should be that they're, that companies are willing to sometimes step up and make those statements. But I just want to, first of all, I just want to say thank you for saying everything you just said. I think it was uh, very well put and I appreciate your insight. And hopefully it's, uh, it goes without saying, but I guess it, it doesn't always that we, you know, on the show, everybody, we all also uh, believe Ashley for sure. And as you said, there's been since then, multiple people have come out and corroborated a lot of this and said they've they've witnessed this kind of behavior. And uh, it is, you know, as, as you were talking about, you know, why did it take so long for this to come out? And it's it's what it's a sad thing when you you know you want to think that oh, like the the board game industry, like okay, so it's happened in movies and it's been happening in the video game world, but. Uh, board game community is so nice, right? And like this, mm-hmm. this kind of thing doesn't happen here. And yeah, it's of course it is, and it, you don't always see it. And it's it's always unfortunate to learn about it. Uh, so I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Will. Uh, I guess my my question, and you can take it wherever you want uh, from there, is what what do you think is like the next step for the broken token? Do they like continue or? I mean, I think they really only have two options. They either fire him or he would have to resign, right? Fire, resign. He, he has to leave or Mm. I think the ship goes down. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Even when he leaves though, all the people that allowed it to happen, that saw it and didn't say anything is still Mm. there, right? Uh, you know, it's like that. Uh, he I wasn't is. Sh- mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just saying, I wasn't sure because I haven't read as much about that. Most of the people there still working were there with her. That's mm-hmm. just me. But mm. yeah, I mean, if they want a chance, right. you know, it's like I'm not saying it's a hundred, but yeah, it's yeah, it's, it, it's not good. It <laughs> seems like that is that's their their only path. Their only yeah, you know, like you said, if they if they want a chance, it's. Uh, I think more and more publishers are going to stop making deals with them. And, you know, it's it's not going to – people aren't just going to forget about this, I don't think. Uh, it, it does seem like – I wonder if he will even do that, if he will step down or if he's just going to stubbornly keep going. Judging well, by his response, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, and – if he steps down as CEO, does he still make a profit off of the company? Right. That's you know, if he problem, still makes yeah. a profit – it doesn't do anything except to say visually, oh, he stepped down. He's not in the decision-making process, but he's still making profit and you're still giving your money to abuser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's not looking good for them. I've seen a lot of, uh, 
a lot of people on Twitter have been doing a good job sharing alternatives, different companies that provide uh, box inserts. Mm-hmm. I think Broken Token has certainly been the pre- most prevalent one that a lot of people know, but there's a lot of other, like Game Trays is a big one that's out there. Uh, so that's that's been nice to see. Uh, speaking again of the community not always being great, uh, I know, like I said, one of the companies that cut ties is Cephalofair. And mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about them soon. And I know it's it's impacting their Frosthaven campaign because one of their uh, tiers for the Kickstarter included a broken token uh, insert or box. And I've seen and he, it's been canceled and and therefore they're looking into alternatives. And I've seen lots of backers in the comments there who are not happy with that decision. Uh, and most of it is, you know, the ugly side of the this kind of i think facade of hiding behind saying we we don't want to involve politics with board games or whatever it is i hate that <laughs> yeah it's 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 not a good look and it's it's disappointing to me and i don't know if it's maybe it's the group just the people we follow on twitter that twitter's i feel like the response i've seen has been very good and then i look at this kickstarter and it's like okay clearly there are still a lot of people who are not reacting to this the way they should. Yeah. And I think like Twitter, like I feel like recently people have been like, you know, curate your community, block the people preemptively, you know, so that you don't have to see it. Your followers don't have to see it. um, All the hate and stuff. And so on Kickstarter, you can't do that. You can't, you know, block someone else's comments and stuff. You'll have to like go through them. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. which is right. probably why you're seeing less on Twitter is that we are preemptively making sure that our space is safe and diverse and, you know, um, not full of these hate, hateful comments and hateful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, any, any final thoughts, uh, Amanda, or maybe any uh, suggestions or advice to other uh, publishers, companies, anyone in the industry as the like, good kind of just good practices i guess the other than just (laughs) what should be obvious but isn't which is like be a good person (laughs) but uh you know like is there anything you think that would be kind of good steps to take for different for various companies going forward to try to avoid this kind of thing maybe there's other industries or other companies that have set examples that would be good to follow well i think like the first thing is if you see any type of microaggression, uh, whether it be race, gender, or um, like those boys club type things, just call them out. Like if you're, a, especially if you're a Caucasian male, call out th- uh, that, you know, oh, I just brushed against her butt. It was fine. Or, you know, I just slapped her butt. Like I was slapping a guy's butt, you know? No, call those things out because those things accumulate. You know, the more they get away with, the more you know, brazen they become. So if you see that, call out the small stuff first. Um, if you see a girl looking very uncomfortable, and you know her, or your friend, or even like in passing, you know, like go and you know, give her an out. You know, say, "Oh, how are you doing?" You know, step into that um, conversation. I think as women, we are taught to be aware of our surroundings more than men. And we are more aware of that. But I think a lot of men don't 
aren't aware of their surroundings in that way, you know, aren't aware of how people around them are feeling or are looking. And I think the first step is to call out the small microaggressions, the the dirty jokes, the, you know, in in a company or the racist jokes in a company and just call those out first. Because as soon as they know that's not okay, they're going to, you know, be less inclined to do something as brazen or as big as this. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel, you know, that there was signs in the company, you know, of her of feeling uncomfortable or looking uncomfortable or crying after a shift and stuff. And they were not addressed. Yeah. I mean, so speaking as one of those, uh, Caucasian males, I definitely, I think there's definitely truth to what you're saying that it is, it's very different. And there's just a lot that, yeah, it's, uh, the unfortunate truth that uh, even, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's the awareness has gotten a little better, uh, recently, but it is something that we have to just look out for and be mindful of. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm very I'm very glad you're able to be on the show today uh, and have that kind of insight that we do not have uh, <laughs> in matters like this. So, yeah, hopefully everybody listening takes that to heart, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens where where this goes in the in the months to come. I mean, I imagine that probably most conventions are not going to want to have the broken token be there either. So, mm-hmm. I think if they try to keep going, it is going to be a tough road for them, uh, but. We'll see. We'll see what consumers choose to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it would yeah, tell, oh. it would just the last thing, it would sure, tell sure, you sure. a lot about the convention if they had the broken token prominently, you know, on the mm-hmm. exhibit hall floor. It would tell you a lot about the people that run that convention. I wonder, I haven't checked if they have a presence at Gen Con, which is just I'm a few weeks pretty away. Pretty sure I read they do not. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. But I think that might have been before. Okay. So I don't think Gen Con like said anything about canceling. I think they just weren't going to be there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how, we'll see how that all shakes out going forward. But like I said, we will have a link to that stuff in the description. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And uh, I guess just generally message to myself and others uh, to be better always. Uh, that's kind of the, the most hopeful takeaway right now that, that maybe I can throw out there. All right. So that being said, uh, this is, it's a, that's, that's definitely our most important story this week that we'll probably be following in uh, weeks to come to see exactly what comes out of it. Uh, but we'll move on to other issues. You know, we just mentioned Cephalo Fair and uh, Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven and the sequel game Frosthaven. And he uh, recently talked to uh, dicebreaker.com. They had a little interview where he, you know, we've been talking about the issues with freight shipping and prices on the rise right now that has been making issues for a lot of board game publishers in terms of getting games overseas quickly and cheaply. That's uh, very hard to do right now. And Frosthaven is a very large game, uh, both in its popularity and in its actual size and weight. And uh, Isaac Childress has said that, uh, Quote, at this point, we're just hoping for the best when it actually comes to shipping, uh, but it just keeps going up and up. And they are not, because of that, they are not probably going to ship 
when they expected to, nor are they giving out any kind of a, a hard and fast date right now. Uh, so this is another thing that's been making Frosthaven backers angry is they are basically saying, we're going to see what happens. We're going to wait until things cool down and we're going to ship it when we ship it. So, uh, you know, it's, this is, this is one answer to how do you work with this problem in the, in the board game world right now. Uh, Amanda, what do you, what do you think about this response or what's your take on in general, uh, these, these shipping woes that have been hitting board game publishers that are making, making it tricky right now to make a game. I think it's not their fault. It's, you know, the pandemic, what happened in the Suez Canal. I mean, it's so many factors went into it and it's, I don't think it is reasonable to say, oh no, you know, I want my games right now and I don't care if you lose your shirt or the company goes down because you have to pay extra for shipping. And plus it's a Kickstarter. Kickstarters are not guaranteed. So to say that you have rights or that, you know, you, you should expect, you know, your game at a certain time from a Kickstarter campaign is against the very nature of Kickstarter. Kickstarter is not guaranteed that you will get anything you are backing to help help them, you know, possibly make it make it uh, make a game, you know. And mm-hmm. the shipping has gone so so high. I know, like a lot of uh, publishers are, uh, they have only these options, right? They can either ship it at enormous increase and you know take the loss, but so many publishers are not big enough to take that loss they are literally you know living on a very very small margin and then you have the ones like um cephalofair who's going to delay and wait for shipping costs to come down to a reasonable rate and then ship it out which i'm fine with i mean especially since he already delayed frosthaven to you know deal with other issues um i think that's you know that's reasonable um and then the third way is to either increase the cost of shipping. So the Kickstarter backers would have to pay extra shipping in, in order to get their their uh, games at an earlier time. But even then, you know, um, not we don't know if enough backers would be okay with that or have the money financially to do that uh, to say it's worth having a container full of games to be shipped or, you know, while the other backers can't, who can't pay would have to wait. So I think what they're doing is probably the most reasonable, um, especially for a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, if you think that backers are mad now, just imagine uh, the backlash if they ask them for extra money for shipping. It would, I, I, I know that would not go over well. Uh, Will, I know you are uh, have no issue waiting for Kickstarters. We've talked about this before. Yeah, no, I mean... It's not like he's saying, like, for those few people, I've targeted you for shipping. It's everyone. It's completely mm-hmm. fair. It's because of an astronomical crisis mm-hmm. that no one saw coming, except for a few, but no one listened. <laughs> and it's it, it just seems like, oh, no, we have to wait so we don't have to pay shipping. I think we've all been spoiled because, like, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. For shipping sure. <laughs> is very expensive, especially as soon as you get past that. 12 inch like 12 by 12 size yeah 
So, I mean, and seeing these freight prices, I, I, don't, I don't know how, how high they are now, but they're not like, oh, it's $10 more a box. No, it's like 10 grand more. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, yeah. It's it's her it's horrendous. So like honestly, if every Kickstarter game just told me like we're waiting, or until we can find like we buy our own special board game cruise ship, <laughs> that's the next <laughs> Kickstarter we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, every time I see a new board game Kickstarter, part of me is astonished. Like, how are you even? How are you doing this? <laughs> like, how do you, how are you going to get it over here? It seems like such a such a challenge. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of impressed by the people who are. And going for it. One more obvious point. Like, I mean, you already said it, but just to, to, to emphasize it, this isn't like some random person. This is Cephalo Fair. They have delivered consistently. This is not like, oh, they're just trying an excuse. We know it's coming. This yeah. isn't a gamble. Yeah. Even though, like you said, Kickstarter is not meant to be a guarantee. Uh, you're not going to get, you're going to get your product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in yeah. safe hands. And I think also um, worth mentioning, too, that Cephalo Fair is they are able to do this right for them. Mm -hmm. Like they it's a lot harder for probably a smaller company. Cephalo Fair is small, but they have had so much success that there's just no reason for them to try to rush a product or force a product launch because they don't have to. Uh, so, you know, maybe not everybody can do this, but it certainly seems like, yeah, it's a, it's a fine choice. We we're fine waiting for Kickstarters <laughs> and they have to pay for storage. What well, you don't, yeah. you don't understand. Yeah. People don't realize is they mm. have to pay for storage in China while they're waiting. So that's still, you know, they're losing money still. It's just not as big of a loss as if they shipped it right now. And I know I've talked to other publishers like, the shipping of the container costs is baked into the retail cost. So that means your retail, you know, price on games is going to go up because the shipping costs. But then you have the shipping cost from distributors to you that is also going up. So it's a double whammy. Yeah, there's it's uh, it's definitely a tough choice. There's there's a lot of everything has a downside right now. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see. We'll, we keep seeing how it's making things tougher. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's not going away anytime soon. It doesn't look like. Okay, let's move on to another story. This one is like about Magic the Gathering. Uh, a couple of news items here for the world's most popular trading card game. I venture a guess from Wizards of the Coast. They have announced uh, a bunch of their next sets. They have revealed uh, the the settings for what their future sets are going to be. Um, most notable to me is that they are continuing with another Dungeons & Dragons themed line as well as another set of the Jumpstart decks, which are these kind uh. of uh, buy and play. Well, 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 I will turn it over to you, Will, because I know <laughs> you know more about this than I do. So uh, tell me well, uh, of, of the things announced, what are your like, what what are your big takeaways and excited things? I'm going to be honest. This is all new to me. <laughs> all I new do not to you, know like, about this. I don't even see it oh, on our, our note sheet. Oh, oh, you should refresh the page. The oh, Wi-Fi no. <laughs> the Wi-Fi might not. Have oh, up. no. I did just add this before. This was published today as we're recording. Yes. the You know what? 
Here's why I don't know about it. They published it the, around the exact same time Destiny did their reveal, and I watched uh. that. <laughs> well, I can tell you the names of some of them. We got Kamagawa uh, Neon yeah, Dynasty. Yeah, that one's been rumored for a while. Uh, I see Streets of New Capenna, uh, which is a new plane, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return to Dominaria. Uh, uh, and then the classic. Uh, yes. And then this is and then the Brothers War, which is also in Dominaria in the past. Apparently, that's all. That's everything through the end of 2022. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, another uh, D&D set. This time is Baldur's Gate themed and more jumpstart packs. So apparently that was a success, which I think is interesting. Um, there's the some other stuff. The too. D&D. Both. Both. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well, for. I'll just go from the top of this and we'll go through really quick each one. Kamigawa is one of my favorite planes, even though it's one of Magic's least favorite planes because it mm-hmm. sold very poorly. Or I can't remember if it actually sold poorly, but it didn't play well. It was very, it didn't mesh with other cards. So a lot of people didn't like it. I, however, just love the theme and the story. I'm a little worried about this neon thing, but then maybe that's just because I like the, I think Magic more like old school fantasy and this looks cyberpunk. So, mm, but mm. you know, maybe I'll take what I can get to return there. <laughs> um, it looks like uh, Capenna is going to be might be the home plane of a demon planeswalker we met before. Who very grumpy guy. So we'll see what he does there. Dominaria. It's always good to go back to Dominaria. I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to fast track it. Brothers <laughs> yeah, War. Very excited because that's like. Remember you read about Magic Jonathan about how like where the tapping for mana came from uh huh sure <laughs> that's these guys that's their war oh all right these the mana people. war <laughs> yeah like that's the old guys as for the other stuff uh jumpstart is like what i think has been the greatest magic product because it's the way you can play if you don't play magic right uh secret right. layers are secret layers you pick up what you want the Baldur's gate is interesting because this D set has actually been i know has not been selling very well it's actually hard to get singles because no one's opening packs. <laughs> well, I guess if you're Wizards of the Coast and you have the D&D license, you want to push those. <laughs> well, I think the problem was because the theme is almost like like what once removed. Like if right. you didn't know it's D&D, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is magic. The problem, I think, was more of the mechanics, a couple of things. And I think that could be tweaked. So for me, and plus, I didn't mind the D&C set for the most part. I had one thing I didn't like. So uh, this just seems like, yeah. That, sure, go for it. Well, I can't believe I got the drop on you with a magic story. <laughs> this is like a first in history. Uh, Amanda, are you a magic player? Does does any of this mean anything to you? No, I mean I know what D and D is. I know what right. uh, cyberpunk is. <laughs> I know the themes, but like I know what tapping for mana is, but I have no idea of all the other words you just said. <laughs> that, that's why I tried to go through that quickly. Now, however, I do have a question for both of you then. Mm-hmm. because they also announced in detail of the some other cards that are joining, and I'm wondering, would that be enough to interest you? That's There's Warhammer 40K, Lord of the Rings, Fortnite, and Street Fighter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know. It feels <laughs> like it's totally out of the, like, it'll take you out of the story. If you, there is a story, you know, it's, like, completely different. Yeah, Style? it's it's a very uh, hot button. Some people love it because they're like, I get to play with my favorite characters from other properties. They actually 
put them under the umbrella of universe beyond. But, you know, some people are like, great. Now I'm going to play a game when someone plays Gandalfs and equips them with Excalibur <laughs> and then uses Exterminus laser beam to wipe all my creatures. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, when, you know, people have been negatively reacting to these secret layers things, I've kind of been like, eh, just don't buy them, whatever. That's kind of fun. If you like the property, uh, Fortnite might be a bridge too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> they might've just crossed the line with that one. I mean, I don't, that really just seems like, uh, I mean, everything's in Fortnite, so I guess Fortnite now has to be in everything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Weird, interesting, but there's a lot. There's a lot there. And then also, I thought it was this was just a, another small note. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but uh, there was an animated Magic: The Gathering TV series that was going to come to Netflix. Still is planning on being released for Netflix, but originally it was uh, under the show running uh, qualities of the Russo brothers who did the Avengers movies, among other things. So pretty big names who are handling the series. It has since been announced they have left the show okay. uh, for, quote, uh, creative differences, which is, you know, <laughs> it's all which is I usually code for they wanted the show to be good <laughs> oh, <laughs> and no. it didn't work out. Uh, and it is now it is now being overseen by a guy named Jeff Klein, who uh, people may know from apparently he is the guy who did uh, the original Men in Black and Jackie Chan animated series that used to air on WB. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but I don't know anyone. Amanda, have I any mean, thoughts on this or, or, or yeah, either of you? I would I would I would be interested, especially since it's the Russo brothers. And I feel like, you know, maybe they're trying to get if the Russo brothers were still on, then that would get a lot of people watching this, which might get them into Magic the Gathering. But, um, I mean, I really enjoyed the Men in Black and, and Jackie Chan animated series, so I would watch it. I don't think it would make me play the game, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we, I, we love those yeah. shows, right, Will? Yeah, well, didn't... I, at least the animation's pretty similar. Wasn't there also a Godzilla animated... Same. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same show. Okay, I was just curious. If, it might but be. yeah, I mean, I remember reading up on that. The original show, it sounds like they wanted to do a very, it was very weird how they're like, it's canon, but not canon. But also it sounded like, for lack of a better experience, it sounded like it was going to be like uh, Star Trek Discovery. Hmm. Like a, a, a bit of a darker take. Uh, hmm. But so maybe that could be part of it that they're worried. Also, I don't know if this has changed. Initially followed Chandra, who's one of their main planeswalkers, who I, as I brought up before in the secret wars, a lot of people got angry how they sort of retconned her because she heavily hinted like real heavily hinted to be huge crush and or relationship with Nisa, another uh, female planeswalker. And then the war, the spark book came out and now is it just terribly, generally terribly written, but there's a line where she's like, Sandra's only into big buff dudes like Gideon. Her relationship with Nisa was just platonic. It was like the most uh. <laughs> saddest way. Yeah, that's a lot. I guess almost a jo- so almost, I don't know if they're like just on like worried now. They're like, we need to make sure this jives or anything, but I also think they want to keep it as vanilla as possible. Hmm. Well, I looked it up. He did indeed work on the Godzilla animated series as well as not one not two but three different transformers cartoons so oh my (laughs) which did he do transformers prime he sure did 
that's the best one. So that's well, a good sign. That actually has a really good story. So also, yeah, he's got some. So so maybe we still have hope for this. We'll see. But it does seem like I I, ha- I will always wonder now what it would have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it's probably just going to be lighter hearted mm-hmm. at best um, mm-hmm. and not as many dark themes. Whether it be good or not, I don't know. You know, Netflix alone. If you tell me a show's coming on Netflix, I'm always like. Okay. <laughs> we all have Cautiously it. Cautiously optimistic, right? Cautiously. Yeah. Oh yeah. A good way to put it. A good way to put it. All right. Like I said, there's a lot of big news. We're not we're not out of the roundup yet. We're still rounding <laughs> things up. Uh this one so kind of tangentially related to board games, but people probably know the store Toys R Us, which used to exist. And then they declared bankruptcy and pretty much shut down all of their stores, at least in the U.S. I think maybe there was like a couple in Canada still or maybe some other. Places. It was weird. They did like I actually listened to an NPR thing about this. They mm-hmm. like kept the, the shareholders kept it and they're like, oh, let's do pop up stores. And like, right, right. And then like they close them and it was really weird. <laughs> well, they're coming back now, sort of. Uh, they will. There will be now in over 400 different Macy's locations, the Macy's department store, there are going to be now little toy sections branded Toys R Us. So there will be many Toys R Us stores as part of larger Macy's stores. So I guess if your parents are shopping for clothes, their kids can check it out or something. Uh, And of course, Toys R Us, uh, you know, it is a place for board games. And we have seen uh, places like Walmart and Target recently grow into more uh, board game centric, or at least expanding the, what they have on their shelves. Uh, and I feel like we would have been seeing a similar thing happening with Toys R Us had they been around the last few years. Uh, I, what do you think, Amanda? Are you excited about this? Did you love Toys R Us? Do you think this will could be helpful to for board game sales or is it not going to affect anything at all? <laughs> I hope it's helpful for board game sales. But okay, so the, there's like a small gap of kids that don't know Toys R Us at all. You know, like they have no idea of the jingle. They don't know the giraffe, (laughs) you know, and like, will it be nostalgic for us elder millennials or, you know, older people that are like, oh, there's Toys R Us. And they're just, the kids are just like, that's a toy section. And the parents are now just like, yeah, stay in the toy section while we go shop and we'll come back and get you in an hour, you know? And then it's like, well, then all the toys are going to be like messed up and it's going to be crazy, you know, confusing and poor workers mm. that have to deal with all the kids and where are their parents, you know, that type of thing. Um, I think that Macy's like, it, it's not... Target, you know, Macy, Target and Walmart were like almost, you can find almost anything in there, right? But Macy's was mainly clothing um, and then accessories. So I feel like, yes, we're gonna, they're gonna have to bring in board games because I'm sure they see the uptick in board games in Target and Walmart. Well, especially Target because there's so many Target exclusives now, right? So I'm pretty sure there's gonna be um, board games in Macy's under the Toys R Us and I'm I'm hopeful that it will boost the like Christmas sales because Macy's has so many good holiday sales that you know the toys will just be swiped you know into the basket with those holiday sales um but I don't think it's going to be as big as a lot of people think it's going to be kind of like Walmart big and that people will see the board games but it has to be a good 
sales, you know, team for them to actually pick up those board games. And then, you know, like you also have to think, well, there's a lot of Target exclusive board games. So when will Toys R Us get those Target exclusives into their stores? You know, because the Target exclusives are great because they are kind of like slimmed down for the casual gamer. They're for the fame, you know, family gamer. Um, and they're designed that way. So at what point will those types of games be able to be sold at Toys R Us and Macy's is, is the issue. Yeah, it's it's a good question. Maybe maybe they'll try to get their own exclusives uh, if they grow large enough or it's pop- popular. It is very weird because, you know, like as an adult, I would sometimes go to Toys R Us just to buy like video games and stuff. I like I want are they going to have like will I be going into a Macy's to go to a Toys R Us to get a Black Friday deal on a on a new Switch game or something? <laughs> is that a thing that that will happen? Uh, will, are you are you going to check out a Toys R Us in a Macy's or? I mean, <laughs> definitely when they first go out just to see what they have, because I imagine while well, I'm sure there are going to be parents who use it like a daycare center, as you said, <laughs> I imagine it a good chunk are going to be more of like all right, I need to get close for my kid. I'm going to go here and be like, tell them if you are really nice and you don't hassle, you know, we'll go into the toy store because it's a part of it and very, very easily separated. Uh, the other big thing, like you said, the sales, I think we might actually see parents being like, oh, there's all these Christmas sales here at Macy's, but the toy store is right there, which mm-hmm. is very convenient. That said, there's a good chance that means we're probably going to see things that target a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if they want to target a larger audience, it would be things that exclusives, which I mean, before, at least for me, when I, my experience of getting any Amiibo exclusives, Toys R Us was one of the best ones for me. One of the nicest. This is going to be much smaller things. So I don't know how much they can do that. It depends how much retail space they give the Toys R Us. Are there going to be doing? Uh, is, that how, is that the plural? <laughs> I believe it's Toys R Us. I. Uh, yeah, are there going to have be Pokemon cards? Is the real question at these Toys oh, R Us? Oh, they'll probably be Pokemon cards. I mean, if they were smart, yeah. there'd be Magic cards. Yeah, yeah. We'll I have- mean, yeah. After looking at how things are going right now, it's all. <laughs> I actually was in a Target the other day, and this. <laughs> This kid was in the card aisle really angry going, what in the world is magic? <laughs> because he wanted baseball cards, but only magic was there. So, but yeah, mm. they, I think trading cards would be probably a very safe bet for them because they can, that would definitely get kids excited. Probably some adults too. <laughs> I do yeah. wonder though, like I know like my family, we love going to, you know, Macy's like we go to Target, but then I wonder how many uh, males actually look forward to going to Macy's, you know, like, I don't think that it is as, I mean, I feel like there's more females in Macy's than males. And then if that's the case, then how are they going to do the games? Like, will the games like draw in more male customers, which then hopefully will increase their sales of men's clothing. I don't know because they have a big, you know, they have a big, Houseware section and like one whole floor is like female clothing actually one and a half probably but you know like how much of their customers is going to be drawn in that are male presenting do you know what i mean 
Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. I mean, I, I know I'm not a Macy's guy. I, I went, I was in a Macy's like a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year even, because I had a, someone got me a gift card for, for at some point. And I just remember it was like a $50 gift card. And I looked around, I was like, so I can, $50, I can buy like one and a half pairs of pants. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> doesn't get me that much. And I was like, back to a, back to someplace, back to Kohl's or something for me, this isn't going to work. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that's, it, it feels like this is more of a, as we said, like for a family that's there shopping mm-hmm. and the, the kids go, but maybe, yeah, maybe it will, maybe it will draw people like us if it's done well maybe i'll be like hey let me check out the new there's a new pandemic version at toys r us and also i'll buy a shirt while i'm here i don't know <laughs> maybe we'll finally get a board game starring jeffrey, <laughs> oh, jeffrey the, I, I mean that seems like money on the table if they don't do that mm-hmm. uh so, Un- yeah. unmatched jeffrey that's what we need. Ooh, <laughs> hey i would totally play that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, we'll see which version it is. Remember when it was just like a real giraffe? They went through some weird phases of Jeffrey over the years. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> anyway, we'll see when these start popping up. I'm not sure exactly how long or when they're planning on coming up, but uh, it'll, it'll be weird. We'll, we'll check it out and report back. Now, I, I know, Amanda, you are more steeped in the world of Twitch than we are. I see there, is, there's something from the world of Twitch that you, you have on your mind you want to talk about. Yeah, so there's a thing called okay. So in Twitch is like, like live TV, right? So um, you have people that go live. You can chat with them through the chat, um, and you can actually redeem points or give them bits, which is like money uh, for them to do certain stuff, like rerolls. If you're playing a live board game, it's very interactive. And it's supposed to be very community-driven. So they had these things called raids where you'll take your current audience and the people that are chatting with you and go and visit another streamer at the end of your stream. And then you're exposing people to another streamer and then they get follows and they get people chatting and it helps their metrics and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, these bad people are now doing hate raids where they are raiding into a a stream and then putting all this like hate speech, um, you know, emojis and, you know, just like words that are like, you should be beeping out and the N word Mm -hmm. and, you know, slurs and all this stuff and having, making bots so that they can fill the person's comments section with like all this hate speech. And it's crazy. It's called hate rating. And I'm like, what the hell? Why would you do that? What was the purpose? There's no purpose except to say spread hate, especially to um, people of color who stream on Twitch. Now, in the beginning, like board game Twitch was absolutely amazing. Like we didn't really feel that. We were very, very supportive of each other. Um, It's such a small niche community. But lately, because... We've gotten bigger. A lot of um, the Twitch has been like board game Twitch streamers have gotten onto the front page of Twitch that now we are also getting hate raids. We're also getting those bots coming in. And I just I just want to say that, you know, that's horrible. And now we have to protect ourselves and our uh, community. So I was just like, since it is news, I was like putting it out there. That is one of the things that have been really popping in Twitch for the last couple of weeks. And mm. I've I've 
been on streams where it's happened a couple of times and it's very very emotionally draining for the streamer and it's shocking for the people that are just there to talk about board games or watch a board game being played um and a lot of us are also video game streamers so um it's just it's just really bad right now yeah yeah this Mm -hmm. is not something that i have uh, I don't think I've heard about it specifically, but uh, unfortunately, it does not surprise me. It sounds like you know, if you you give the internet a tool, someone will find a way to use it for evil at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I, I I wonder, do you think there will be like a do you think there's anything that Twitch can do uh, in response to this, other than maybe just banning the people who do it? Is there some kind of protection that could be put in place to to discourage this or make make you make it harder for this to happen? Yeah, like right now, their email verification is it's, it's non-existent because you can just say, I'll verify later and then create an account, right? And because Twitch has not really done much against hate raids, um, there is a boycott of Twitch on September 1st where you don't, we're saying, we're asking everyone to not watch Twitch, not stream on Twitch on September 1st, just to make Twitch realize that the people that they're making their money off of wants protections you know especially for the streamers that are people of color yeah, now that you mentioned i did i do remember i did see something about the that boycott day i um, did not so i'm very glad i'm hearing about it. <laughs> right. i heard about the raids recently i was seeing those on uh twitter but yeah it's good to know that in advance yeah yeah um i i wonder if uh, maybe a, a solution might be for some kind of a toggle for channels where they can opt to like not allow raids or only allow like people that they whitelist to uh they, they do have that they do have that okay the only problem is then you're limiting right the right. whole thing of a raid the whole point is to expose your community to someone great right mm-hmm. to say this is also an awesome streamer that you should be following and to share the love right and say you know please check out their streams follow them go watch them because i think they are an awesome person uh you won't raid into someone that you really don't like or you know but in the beginning people were doing that they were raiding into people they don't like just so that their followers can say horrible things and it's even gotten worse where they're um basically shouting out people's addresses, their phone numbers, their, you know, these are hackers that find all this information about you. And for the really big streamers, they're like telling everyone this personal information is absolutely horrible. But for board gamers, it's just, it's the whole racism thing where they're shouting racist stuff. And um, we just have to be careful, especially now. Yeah, yeah, it's super unacceptable. Very un- another very unfortunate thing to to hear about. You said September first is the day of the correct. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, yes, be on the lookout for that. We'll definitely be in support of that. It's I'm glad that you uh, shouted it out a little bit here, uh, and uh, I think that's going to close us out of a very full week of news <laughs> but it was all very good stuff and i'm very glad we got to like to discuss it there are some very interesting conversations to be had there uh but now we're going to look ahead to the future and talk about some crowdfunding projects here comes a bumper oh this one looks uh, nice it's nice it's nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like this one kickstarter kickstarter 
Okay, so each of us has chosen uh, something that we're excited about, uh, Kickstarter or perhaps another crowdfunding platform in the board game world. Amanda, do you have a pick of some, some project that you're interested in and you want to talk about right now? Ooh, uh, it's hard. It is hard. They, <laughs> there's a lot of like, okay, so you listed a bunch, right, that are uh-huh. just coming in. And feel I'm free like, to talk about one, a different one that's, you know, an older one if you want. <laughs> <laughs> if that oh, makes it man. harder for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> makes it harder for me because, I I mean, if you follow my Twitter at all, you know that I'm in, in support of Tate's Kickstarter. But I think I really, I really want to talk about is the... Um, the oh god i'm like do i choose this one or that one or this one okay so i I, can i say one good one and then another one that i probably have a little bit of a problem with yes Um, absolutely so let's 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 talk about the bad one real quick i really was interested in the um kitsumi let me see if i can go back up Uh, ah yes kitsune clan Yes, Clan of the Scarlet Forest. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how you say the end but of that word. But then I'm looking, everyone that's reviewing is Caucasian. The whole design mm. team is Caucasian. There's no mention of any Japanese cultural consultants in the Kickstarter. Mm. Did you yeah. notice that? I, I mean, I did do you not... even look at that? Uh, tr- honestly, I didn't look that closely at this particular one, and I honestly probably wouldn't uh have looked too closely but i mean i do see that they have a picture of the team and they certainly are all white people (laughs) um uh but yeah i mean it would be it it is this is something that i feel like is another one of those issues that doesn't always get the attention but it needs but some has been there have been a couple cases i've seen it called out or or people have gone the extra mile to at least they will have like a we consulted with someone to check about the accuracy and the, you know, the tastefulness of how we represented these ideas and the culture and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like they have done that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the minis look amazing. The art looks amazing. They just need a cultural consultant to say, you know, I've looked at this, I've read, you know, the stories and stuff and, and, the way you depicted it is good or not. I'm not from the Japanese culture, but I mean, just a little blurb would have like made me want to back this, but I don't know that enough people actually look at that. I know certain people, especially in like my group, we will look that we will see that and um, note that. But apparently this has not been noted here and they are way past funding. I mean, these minis look, absolutely beautiful but if if they wanted my money they should have done done just one extra step right and got a cultural Mm -hmm. consultant yeah yeah hopefully maybe if uh people you know uh call them out on it and let them know maybe they'll do something like that you know since it's funded maybe they'll have a chance to to do that and kind of try to make amends for that but yeah definitely something you want to see more of in the in the board game world of I think people often just don't, like you said, they they just don't think about it. They just are like, oh, there's a cool theme. I want to use it uh, without considering the the background of it and everything like that. So so that's uh, Kitsune Clan uh, of the Scarlet Forest who maybe look at and maybe consider (laughs) what you think of it. (laughs) Or, you know, like ask them. Like I would say, you know, ask them. You know, if I... 
I think a year ago, I would not have looked at that either. I, I would have just been like, ooh, beautiful minis, beautiful art um, mechanisms that I, I might enjoy, you know, and I might back it. But, you know, so much stuff has happened in the past year that I'm like, you got to be aware of these things, you know, as a backer, where, where your money going to is very important. Uh, so I always do now look at who the reviewers are who made this. They, they have a cultural consultant if they are using a culture that's outside of what they know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the, with you. I don't, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the good one, the one that one. I'm excited about is Gardens Take a Walk in the Park. Mm, yes, yes. Tell, tell me tell me about the gardens. I mean, Matthew Dunstan, anytime I see Matthew Dunstan, I'm like, ooh, I'm interested. Um, it is gorgeous. Uh, basically, it looks like, um, is it tile laying? Let me see. Uh, I think it's card laying, like card you're trying laying. to mm -hmm. lay the cards, and then I think the meeple walks to that card, and you get points depending on what they see along the way. Yeah, and mm. drafting as well, and they have a roll and write version that's really cool as well. And I'm like, oh, I definitely um, see people that I enjoy that have reviewed it, like um, uh, Meeple University and Thinker Themer. And uh, I was like, ooh, okay. So yeah, the art, the mechanisms that they have a smaller version that is rolling right. All these people that I know and love that are, you know, talking about it. It's it's really getting me itchy to bring out my wallet and say, I want to back this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, from grail games who have, they, I think I had good projects in the past on Kickstarter that I've enjoyed. Mm. And uh, this one goes for, I see about $26 us, uh, which is pretty reasonable. <laughs> that is very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it looks cool. Always nice to have a theme of a nice little, garden with cute little birds in it <laughs> it's very yeah. relaxing uh, yeah if i remember correctly it's actually based on the royal garden in uh sydney so there's i think oh, yeah. some of the cards are the actual monuments from there it's cool yeah yeah that's fun yeah so that's the gardens all right awesome stuff will what's your pick my pick is one that's probably on my mind because i'm currently completely doing redoing my entire uh, board game <laughs> collection and shelves. Mm -hmm. And that's the, uh, oh God, I should have rewatched the video beforehand to see how they pronounce this. <laughs> Is it the Lax Racks? Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lax Racks uh, from the uh, Cloud Puncher games, I guess their name. Mm -hmm. I did not Looks know that. Like I just it. know their icon. But <laughs> the idea is they did a shelf before that was designed to like you can adjust the shelf length so everything's horizontal. But a lot of people, such as myself, already have one or more uh, 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 calyxes. I am doing great <laughs> pronunciation today. This Episode 20. <laughs> it's the two. This is the two. <laughs> we rolled the two. <laughs> so they're like, people ask, like, what are we going to do about that? And they're like, Okay, you know what? We'll find a solution. So they have made these these little uh, plastic dividers, which you put little wooden dowels in, so you can actually have shelves within your shelves, and mm -hmm. that way you can put it horizontally. They actually come out very nicely since they're on the dowels; they roll, so it's mm -hmm. not hard at all to pick them up. Now, the thing I was worried about is because I tend to <laughs> redo my entire collection almost once a year. 
It's something I enjoy doing and something like when you get new game stuff, like, is this solid? It does turn out that you can, if you need to change things up, one, you can just pop the dowels out to just, and leave the things in there. But you can also take off the little plastic part that dowels go into and reapply them. They suggest using new thing, uh, new sticky adhesive. tape or whatever to call it. Adhesive, thank you. But it's just M3 sticky pads. And, you know, it's not like some unique or rare thing. So very easy to do all the adjusting you need. So you can get that Ikea shelf your or if you already have it and still plug this in. And for the price, it is much nicer than buying a whole new shelf. Yeah. You know, you get, where is the, I got to scroll I back down back to the $29 or for a, I don't know how much that gets you. That's the base. 12. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would, I would say that's probably like, yeah, like they say up to 12 shelves worth. So I'd say like three to four, depending on how big they are, maybe five of your little squares mm -hmm. is much cheaper. Most of the time when we're like, Hey, check out this board game shelf. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think you're, you're losing out on much. So I feel like if you have a, a shelf like this, I mean, it's designed for one, but I'm sure there could be other things. It's gotta be at least something you gotta consider. Yeah, it is. It does seem to be the cheaper alternative to a few weeks ago. We talked about the Jasper shelves, which mm -hmm. I actually think look awesome, but those are like luxury uh, hardcore shelves that are very expensive. And this is like the cheap Calyx, the cheap, cheap little modifier, stick them in there. <laughs> uh, you get the job done uh, with maybe not quite the, the fancy looks and material, but certainly you're saving a lot on your wallet and it looks cool. So. There's also a lot of other cool things too. They have like plastic, uh, like clear shelves. So for minis, mm -hmm. which I'm like, oh, that could work well if I have like Bombshelf has Mansions of Madness and I have all the minis above it. Mm -hmm. And they also have actually like a dry erase play count trackers. You can put on a game box. So you could be like for either a 10 by 10 or is this game worth keeping in my collection? Oh, that's a <laughs> great idea. That is such a great idea. I know people yeah. were putting like stickers and or writing it inside the lids, but oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's, I was thinking about doing stickers lately. <laughs> you know, when you go to like a board game cafe and they'll have like the green stickers or the easy games or something like that, mm -hmm. like a sticker sticker system. I think anyway. also have drawers. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, th that too. Because, you know, sometimes you just have loose dice and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's Lax Racks. Uh, I think the game I'm going to go with for my pick, although I I, I might mention a few more because there's a, there's a few that I thought were cool this week. Uh, but there's one called Everyone Else Thinks This Game Is Awesome. That's the name of the game. And it caught my eye because it's created by, and the art is by uh, uh, the guy who did uh, the webcomic called Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal. I don't know if people are familiar with that one, but... I think it's still running. I don't keep up with web comics anymore, but it was a kind of a classic, funny, nerdy web comic that people liked back in the day. And this is a trivia game where specifically the questions are designed to be obscure, nerdy things related to science or, or, or history, various subjects, but on the geekier end and specifically things that they think even if you're like uh, one of this kind of uh, geek, you're not going to know these off the top of your head. They're uh, deeper, weirder trivia. And so you're answering these questions. And also as part of the game, you are betting on whether or not you think the other players are going to know the answer. So it's one of those kind of trivia games where I think we always like where it's not just about knowing the answer, but you can also be rewarded for 
trying to read what other people might know which I think is interesting. And I, you know, I just like, I just like the art and I think the theme is funny. You, you become smarter uh, by like you win by being, you become the smartest person. It's got these dry erase boards, which is always good for a, a game like this. So, you know, trivia games uh, are sometimes I think hit or miss, but I, I, I like the, the look of this one. I like the idea of it. I think it could be a unique game. And uh, for $35, you get that base. They also have uh, some expansions and things. And that's everyone else thinks this game is awesome. And then I also just wanted to shout out a couple like, so there's a new lineup of Dr. Finn's games. Mm-hmm. We've, we've yeah. always enjoyed his stuff in the past. He's got five new ones, I think. And what's also cool is he, in addition to the five new games, each one has its own unique theme and rule set or it's four actually, maybe four. Um, he also has this box that's, express games which is smaller uh just like two-player versions of the bigger games that can be played in a shorter time span i think they're like different enough like it's made to be portable so maybe if you don't if you aren't sure which ones you'll like you can buy this it's almost like a demo pack or if you just want this quicker game i think that's kind of a funny idea uh but there's all kinds of different themes in here uh, that uh, sound interesting to me and yeah like i said dr finn has had some good stuff in the past um and i like how yeah. a lot of these games now are on tabletopia or are on officially on tabletop simulators so that you can try it before you buy it um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes that's very that's helpful. always nice seeing that on a kickstarter is a very reassuring sign to me mm-hmm. always yeah uh and i guess that's the only one other one i'll shout out <laughs> so uh all right so, so there's what a do you, yeah, um, just real quick, there's the super trouble pigs. I did what see you, that actually. What Go do you ahead. think of bicycle, the card, you know, the playing card manufacturer now making all these awesome games? I mean, they're lighter, they're more party game, you know, style, but what do you think of that? Yeah, so I, I, I almost, I was, this was one of the ones I was going to bring up, and I, and I decided uh, uh, to move on instead. But, but I'm glad you want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I, so we've played uh, the Alpha, and uh, what was the other one, the, the uh, stock trading one? I can't remember the I'm, name of it. Yeah, I'm blanking right it now. It was something very simple though. It was called like Market or something. <laughs> it was something like that. And uh, uh, I, I know I had kind of like mixed opinions on both but uh, i like the looks of of the super truffle pigs i think it looks fun and cute and i think it's awesome i think it makes perfect sense that bicycle would just like breaking out into the this world yeah uh, it's exchange. exchange exchange and also i played tattoo stories with them yes. as well oh i didn't know tattoo that. stories was a lot of fun Okay, that one I haven't, I haven't had the chance to play, but yeah, I, I think it's cool. Did are you? Did Super Truffle Pigs look uh, particularly interesting to you, Amanda? I mean, it it definitely catches your eye, right? And yeah. I mean, there's little cute little pig minis and wolf minis. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, like I the the real exciting thing about this whole like bicycle and getting different games is that i think it's going to bring more people into the modern board gaming hobby and i'm really excited that you know that people who will see oh look at these pigs and then start maybe looking at hava games or you know other games that will just you know get more gamers in and more family games gamers you know and stuff like that and i think that's awesome. They have a deck. 
they have a pig deck <laughs> of playing <laughs> cards. Oh, that perfect. That is so cute. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's some good marketing synergy right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, check out check out uh, Super Truffle Pigs. Uh, it does look cute and fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see what Bicycle Games is up to. Definitely. All right. Now, those are all of our picks from the Kickstarter this week, which means it's time to talk about things we have been playing, games that exist on our tables in Table Talk. I don't know if I can say Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. All right. So. Table Talk. We made it out of that one alive. <laughs> We're all, that put us all in good spirits, of course, as it does every week. <laughs> Amanda, you have been playing a few games uh, that I I definitely want to hear about. So uh, please, in, in whatever, in order of your choosing, what have you been playing lately? So most of the time, especially during the pandemic, my games, I've been playing only because I stream it and I stream it with other people. So um, uh, my latest one was Hadara. I streamed it with Benita K on her Twitch stream and it, we played it on, I do believe it's Table Topia, and they it looks like they re redid the art or at least redid the box cover of this game. It's a city building drafting game with a, I don't think it's engine, but basically it's card drafting set collection um, game that's quick to play and satisfying. Um, and it's it was it was so much fun. I'm like I cannot believe I've never heard of this game and I haven't played it yet. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they they've redone and coming out with a new cover. Have you yeah, guys played this? I have not. Yeah, I had to look this one up, and I gotta say, I can see both covers. It was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I'm just looking at the you know the components and everything is very super colorful and looks very appealing. Uh, is there uh, something that maybe you would like another game you would compare it to that could give an idea of kind of what the vibe is like of this one? So it really gave us both Seven Wonders Duel vibes because mm-hmm. like you are getting gold cards that will increase your income every time you get money. You're getting like red cards that will be for military so you can conquer these colonies um it's not a direct battle against someone else because you both can conquer the same amount of colonies um you're not taking anything from anyone except for the drafting of the cards uh you can when you draft cards you have to pay for them or you can discard them for money just like in seven wonders duel and then you have blue cards that allow you to make um statues which gives you points or gives you extra of these resources or green cards, which basically are food. So that limits the number of cards you can have in your tableau. Uh, it's very Seven Wonders vibe, except for there's no direct comp like with the military the, like, track. You're not taking right. away money from someone if you get it so far. You know what I mean? So it's mm. less confrontational. We always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't like confrontation. Remember Toy Story when the dinosaur says that? T-Rex? Rex? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a classic line. I, I don't like confrontation. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So that's our Toy Story and Hadara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the game looks fun. It looks it looks very cute. I definitely want to try sold. it. I'm sold. 
You yeah. should try it for sure. Now it's, I said that. Oh yeah, go ahead. It's very quick. I just have to say. It's very oh, quick. that an, another big plus. <laughs> another big plus. Now, I, I thought that we were out of uh, Kickstarter land. However, I I know I see you've been playing another game that I think still is on Kickstarter. I know we talked about just the project, but we haven't had the chance to try it out, and that's Flamecraft. Yeah. Uh, so, What's your experience with that been? Eight days as of this recording. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, like, uh, I, um, Bonzanator, who's also a Twitch streamer and board gamer uh, reviewer, basically brought it to a game meetup, and I played the prototype with her, and then I and I automatically, you know, contacted the publisher, like, can you, like, can we play this on my stream? And I have to say, the art is absolutely gorgeous. It's like, they're gonna have dragon minis as well, and it's the the Kickstarter campaign just looks absolutely incredible. Um, the, there's some issues with the reviewers, though. I do have to say, and that um, there's they do need to have more playtests because we got a couple of rules wrong uh, just from mm. a blind reading of the rule book. It was prototype, of course, but yeah, I it's engine building. It's like there, you know. It can be very, very friendly where you're like, when you visit another place with another dragon, you give them a little something, something to say hi, you know, and and the shops all give you things. It's it's such a fun game. Um, I I really enjoyed it, but it is a little bit out of my price range, I do have to say, because with the minis, the metal coins and everything, you're at over 90 bucks already. But mm. worker placement, engine building, hand management... Um, modular boards because different shops are going to come out every round different dragons are going to come out every round different um, not contracts but um, they're basically contracts you have to fulfill are going to come out every round so it is it was such a fun it was a fun experience I have to say it was very fun experience it is a little bit longer it is at least an hour um, but with it's on tabletopia and on Tabletopia, everything else, of course, goes like double the time. But I really enjoyed it. And it's fun. They, okay, if you don't like puns, though, don't get this game. Because it's full of puns. <laughs> full of, like, you know, like, different callbacks and stuff. So we have, like, a Draco Bell instead of Taco Bell. It's hilarious. Mm. I mean, I was already sold before. I mean, I picked it before, But, oh, my God, that... I think I might be forced to always play with that shop. Yeah, right? You're like That's going to be one of the first shops that are out there. You just have to have it for the whole entire game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, I know you were looking. This was your pick, Will. So uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably going to back. I think I'm going to back at the standard, though, because I, I think even the wooden meeples are still. I was going to ask, is there mm-hmm. a cheaper level of it? It yeah, is. And there is. OK, I'm I'm definitely the kind of person who's more than happy usually as long as the mechanics are like those, don't get me wrong. Those minis are adorable, but part of me is like, if I save money there, I might be get able to get one of the stuffed toys they have. Oh yes. They have stuffed dragons. <laughs> yes. They're so cute. Yeah. That's a, that's a plus. And they are talking about making the wooden meeples different like shapes as well. Uh, especially for colorblind friendly. To make it color, that would definitely thing. be helpful. I, yeah. I I can't believe that didn't. Usually, I'm pretty good at thinking about that. But yeah, like that would something that would maybe differentiate them a little bit would be mm. very helpful. 
Yeah. yeah. Because right well, now, only the miniatures are different sculpts for every single color. Plus, if you play the puzzles that they have on their website, you can get an extra set, like an extra color, extra dragon sculpt, extra dragon meeple for the game. But yeah, it's one to definitely keep your eye on. Yeah, Flamecraft, you, if you're listening to this now, you've got a week or less to to back it. Uh, so take a look at that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had positive impressions. And you said that it's, uh, it took about an hour to play. So I'm, 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 it sounds like I, the game does not drag on. Yeah, for in-person, oh, it doesn't drag a, on. In a, Tabletopia, it, it kind of, it went an hour and a half. That was a, that was a drag, that was a dragon pun. I just, <laughs> oh, I, just to I totally missed that. Went right <laughs> over my head, y'all. Right over my head. Yeah, just you see, I'd... Jonathan, you were too good with your puns. <laughs> yeah. It actually just worked. Yeah, it was, yeah. Burned, yeah. I was burned. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, hey, that's, yeah, all right, there you go. All right. And now you, you warning been... si- significant puns may vary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have been, you've been hitting a lot of the hotspots for me. There's another game here that it was just landed on my radar, like in the last week or so that uh, we, we love any game that has, you know, has an art theme. Those always seem like they're, they're fun, at least to check out. So talk to me about art deco. Speaking of so, puns. Ar- <laughs> yeah, it is a fun. It's D-E-K-O. Um, it's actually a reskin of Promenade. So d- the designer, Tate Wu, who currently has a Kickstarter also under Sunrise Market, uh, quick plug. Mm. But anyways, he self-published Promenade under Sunrise Tornado. And then Rio Grande Games picked it up and is reskinning it with actual art from the different genres. So you have Impressionists, you have Pop. You know, um, and the art, it looks awesome. Basically, this is a deck builder, but it's it's stinkier. It, it has an extra level. Tate always is so good about having that extra level. Um, in Promenade, it was all Tate's own acrylic paintings in the art. So in um, Art Deco, you're going to have much more variety of art in there, and it's going to look a lot different. Um, but in Art Deco, what's happening is you are going to be buying up paintings. Then you're going to be buying up gold and other paintings with those paintings. But the trick with this deck builder is as people are buying up paintings, the value of the paintings go up. So the amount of gold that you can use for this one painting to buy more paintings increases as people buy the same style. Um, then you have where you are going to get these paintings out of your deck by exhibiting them. And that's where you're getting your main amount of points is by putting them into a museum. And you have about five or six galleries and they all want specific types or they don't care. And um, you get points based on you know who exhibits there first. But you have to pay for an exhibition with the other cards in your hand. So it's really cool. Hmm you know, like push and pull. All the cards that you're left with in your deck at the end of the game gets points based on how popular that paint, that style is. So if a lot of people bought up art, art impressionism and they exhibited impressionistic paintings, the impressionistic paintings that you still own increase in point value. So it's a really interesting push and pull of when do you want to exhibit it? When do you want to hold on to it? 
Do you want to buy more to increase the value? Also, like if an exhibit is full, then you get an end game bonus, and it's it's really cool. It's it's just such a mix of mechanism that you think you know deck builders are pretty easy and light to deal with, but this was like brain burning for me. But I loved it. Cool, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm into it. That's that reminds me a little bit of. Um... The game Modern Art has a similar thing. It's a bidding game, but it has a similar thing where, uh, like, the more type when someone buys the certain type of art, it becomes more valuable. Like I, something along those lines. I forget how it worked in that game, but I think that's a really unique uh, mechanic, and it seems like a perfect match of the the theme and the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And we we love it. anytime. It's it's just such a nice and easy way for for a designer to you know, you make a game about art, it's all like public domain. You get to just have incredibly beautiful cards without putting that much effort in. <laughs> I think that's, it's, and everybody it's loves it. It's very weird. I don't know why every time it's come across our table, we're, we're always like very happy with it. We've never been like, yeah, it's an art game. We're always like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. We're but it's not lovers. like I could be like, oh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we appreciate these things. And, have- you know, but throwing deck building too. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to try this out. Yeah. All right. So art. Deco. It's coming. Oh, it's coming to BGA. It's on alpha on BGA. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then it will be coming to beta probably end of September is what Tate is telling me. So you'll definitely be able to try it before you buy it. And it's pretty, you know, intuitive on BGA on, and it'll tell you what you can do and um, how things are done and it'll calculate things for you. So it's really nice that it's coming on to BGA instead of just having it on like Tabletopia where you have to calculate everything. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't have as much experience with board game arena, but what I have played, it's, they, it, it really is nice. They do a great job streamlining that stuff for you. So that's cool to hear. So that's Art Deco. All right. Will and I played a couple of games uh, this past week. Why don't we start with one that it's actually a new edition of an older game that I don't think is quite available yet at retail. Is that right, Will? You, you looked into that? It, last I looked, it was still pre-order, but, okay. you know. Um, and anyway, the game is Tyrants of the Underdark. Uh, it's a Dungeons and Dragons themed deck builder slash area control game. And this is from Gale Force 9, obviously using the Wizards of the Coast D&D license. And like we said, it's a new edition, but uh, this was our first time playing it. But everything, all the rules are the same. It's just components that have changed as well as they have uh, some expansion cards in there. And it's a deck builder game where you are focusing on a board. Everybody has their little pieces of their own troops and you are trying to dominate different areas. So a lot of your cards will let you add troops to the board or uh, assassinate other people's troops. Uh, You're trying to move people around to get more points. And of course you're buying cards from a lineup each turn, uh, shuffling your deck, that kind of standard uh, deck building stuff. Uh, I've, I, I've learned for one thing that I'm very bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I got, uh, so we've, we played it with both four players and two players. Uh, and uh, at four players, w- we learned that you can't let anyone dominate the board. Uh, Cause if they, if they go unchecked, uh, it could, we had one player who really just ran away with it. And we, we didn't even like realize it until the end or, Oh, all those points are on the board. Uh, not in our cards. So in that way, it definitely stands out from a lot of other deck building games. And then uh, 
uh, we played a one-on-one and oh man, Will just, I mean, he mopped the floor with me. It was really depressing. <laughs> Our final scores were like, this is one of those games with a score pad. There's a lot going on. Final score was 104 to my 36. Wow. <laughs> it was not, <laughs> it was not uh, pretty. <laughs> I, I think this just goes to, it's my constant theory is I have a really good acceleration when John has a top speed. If we play this game like 10 more times, hmm. it would flip. I don't know I'm if just it would very flip. good at Maybe not flip, but like I, you're re- I'm really good at be catching on like cheap, quick strategies. Like this will work just fine. This is the nice way of saying that <laughs> I, it just takes me a long time to like wrap my head around a strategy. And, but then yeah. the difference is once you do that, you'll know how to catch up and stop me. And I'm really bad at when you mess with my strategy mm-hmm. and yeah, you're perhaps. really good at like shifting with that, which is why you're really great at, I think social deduction and also betting. Like you can be like, Oh, I see how the numbers, I see how to deal with people. I'm like, no, this is the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I need open-ended where I I can cheat it out. Yeah. I have to say I play tested this game. I didn't realize I play tested this game until I opened it up and saw the pictures. I'm like, Oh, that looks very familiar. And yeah, I enjoyed it, but man, it like when you get people that know how to play and it's it's gets so tight because they're like no i can't let you you know i have to stop you at here i have to like rein you in and not allow you to move you know out of this one little section i'm gonna keep you in you know and Mm -hmm. it's the area control is very interesting on this game i have to say i was like uh i don't feel like a deck builder. It doesn't feel like a deck builder to me. It's more focused on area control. But yeah, I real I enjoyed it for sure. Uh, just as like you said, I think that's for an example. After the first game, I learned okay, I need to get those spies early on so mm-hmm. I can jump around the map. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jonathan caught on to that. So I'm like well, it's funny. already on the, uh, both <laughs> yeah. sides of the board. Well, the first yeah. game I actually went, I was just getting spy cards. These, these are special tokens you can send around to spread yourself out and stuff. And I was just thought it was fun and interesting to see how they worked, but it, I wasn't making good use of them. And then after that, when we played again, you just, you were getting all the spy cards really fast. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh, the game itself. We're, we're going to have a review for it probably later this week on our channel. Uh, and uh, I, I did. I did enjoy it overall. I, definitely. Even though I, even though I was terrible at it. <laughs> I am curious now just because we didn't know too much until after we actually looked more into it. When you said you playtested, did you know if you playtested with um, the minis, which I think were the first edition or like the. Um, oh, yeah. Was this recently or was this for yeah. the original printing of the game? I don't because I playtested it on. It must have been the original simulator. So Mm. it had minis in it. Um, But I think Mm. they were revising it when I was playtesting it. Okay. uh, Interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because when did this, when did it um, get published though? The original one, I think is from like 2016 or something. Oh no, I did definitely did not play it in 2016. Okay. Okay. It's interesting because I, as far as I know, there are no real changes to the rules. So, uh, you know, I don't know what they revised, <laughs> but yeah, maybe I don't know either. All I know is that I was in, a, I was like, this is not a game that I would probably like, Oh no, no, I'm wrong. I didn't play test it. I, I was playing it on someone else's stream and they brought it up and we played a full 
Yeah, we've played the original on TTS at the full okay. player count, and that went long. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys. I thought you didn't <laughs> like long games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, how long did it take us. It was, I think, it was under two hours. It wasn't uh, for us. It We're was going pretty good. For punishment <laughs> for two player game, right? Oh no, for that was for the four player. Oh, the, the oh. two player uh, will ended it uh, quicker than I would have liked it to end. <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about. I didn't even wasn't even trying to. It just <laughs> happened. I was like, all right, I'm not doing great, but I can. The game's going to be over now. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, no, uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I yeah, can't wait right. to to read your review because. I mean, that yeah. would be interesting. Oh, God. Now I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think I'm going to make some people mad because I think a lot, a lot of people love this game. And I, I liked it, too. But I had some I raised some issues I had with it. But Well, uh, yeah, I can I can understand that. So uh, that's Tyrants of the Underdark. Then we also just played a, a game of Red Rising mm. from Stonemeyer Games. Uh, and this is interesting because this is one of those games. I don't know how uh, it sounds like, you know, you do a lot of games on Tabletop Simulator and stuff like that, Amanda. But for us during the t- quarantine period of 2020, there were so many games that we reviewed that we just played with each other. And this was the first time this was one of those games. We brought it out to actually play with more people and different people and see, just find out what that experience was like. And uh, red rising is uh, based on the series of books. It is a, uh, what would you call it? A hand management game. Uh, it's kind of a set collection game in a sense where you're trying to collect all these different, there's all these different colors of characters and ships and different things. And they all have different conditions in order to score them. And you're trying to get them in your hand by the end of the game, uh, the way you want them to be. And the cards are flipping out randomly on the board and you're taking, usually you're playing a card and then taking one from somewhere else. So you're kind of depending a lot on what other players do and what they, when they decide to do it, uh, and this was a pretty different experience for us at two players. I think, I mean, at four players versus two, I, I what, what was it like for you? Cause well, I feel like you were, you found it maybe slightly more frustrating. <laughs> well, I don't think as much because of the player count. Um, some people have said it before with some Stonemeyer games. And I think this is the first time I had it, uh, like you had with, um, terraforming Mars is when you just get really bad cards that don't want to work together. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think that was less of just like, and what worked in my favor, I didn't win, but worked in my favor. Apparently, you weren't in a great spot either. <laughs> so, <laughs> because the difference is the other two people were, they were sort of happy. But since you weren't either, we were able to prolong the game long enough for us to actually feel like we were actually competitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just made it so the game wouldn't end. <laughs> oh, uh, dragging it out. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. It was, that was interesting. That was the one thing. The other thing was in a, in the two player game, because you go back and forth, it was really easy. It seemed to be like, I know what's going to happen and where, what get the card I want and set things up Four player game. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot more variables oh. on the field. So it's like, oh, you don't even look at what's on the field until like the player right before you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Or you try to. But then it's like, oh, if they just they take that card, that was my plan. I don't know what I'm going to do if they take that card. Yeah. yeah my goal is usually to avoid because otherwise I'm going to unskin. Don't mess with my strategy. I don't want to <laughs> know what I'm thinking about until it's my turn. That way I don't have to think if I've lost something. An unrelated note, though. I tell this to Jonathan. <laughs> I seem to get one card every time. 
<laughs> like I have apparently one character. That's me in Red Rising. Yeah, it was, it's Severo, I believe, right? Or, I, or is it the wolf? Uh... It's both. Okay. <laughs> because they, they work together. And I'm afraid to ask you because now like, I want to be like, who are they? And I can't wait for you to tell me like, oh, they're real bad guys, Will. <laughs> no, oh Severo's God. a cool, Severo's actually a cool character. He's a. Okay, good, good. Because cool apparently I'm in sync with them. <laughs> oh, so yeah. like one of you has read the book series by Pierce Brown and the other has not, correct? That is correct. Uh, <laughs> do, he, you, do you, yeah, go ahead. No, okay. So I met Pierce Brown at San Diego Comic-Con. He's an, he's a really nice guy. Um, very good looking, I have to say. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I was talking to him because I was like, I've never read your books before. He's like, you're in for an emotional roller coaster. And that's kind of scared me off from the books a little bit. But I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like this is going to be that book. I feel like this game is a lot lighter than his books. It's, that was, I think, one of your complaints, John. Well, it's certainly it's certainly lighter emotionally. <laughs> it's not a, uh, yeah, it's not a uh, like doesn't put you through the ringer or anything like 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 a battle star or anything like that. Um, it's yeah, I think it is relatively well. The 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 heaviness will come from the weight will come from when you're stressing out over the one card you need to complete your hand and you just don't know if you're going to see it or not. Uh, there there probably is some too if you've read it. <laughs> Because there are cards in there that might be like, this card then, wh what do they call removing in this game? Uh, banishing. Banishing. <laughs> uh, and then banishes itself. And I'm like, does this character like kill someone? And I just imagine if you've read it, you're just like, not again. <laughs> yeah, they do have a lot of little thematic touches like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've talked about, you know, I have, I have some issues with the theming of it, but I still like the game. And th this was one instance where it was... I mean, I don't know. Like I said, if I didn't have one more round where I feel like my hand came together, I might have been sad. But the way the game ended, even though I didn't win, I just felt good about like I made all my cards synchronized with each other and I was happy with it. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the difference. Like when I started in the beginning in that first half when you just don't get anything that was. But once I got like two or three cards that work together, I'm like, OK, I feel better now. I actually have a plan. But isn't that uh, like with any deck builder, like your first is like uh, blah, 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 you know, and you don't know what you can buy in, and what you can combo. And then eventually your, your, your available cards or your ability to combo is greater. That's true. The way this game works though, and, and compared to other, especially simpler deck building games, like you can buy things, be like, whatever, it gives me power. Uh-huh. In this, the way it works is you usually weird things happen. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I mean, anytime you can say usually when playing, usually you draw one card to start. You put down a card, you pretty much give up a card and take a card. Right. And so you only have a hand you, of like five or six cards for most of the game. There's less room for chaff. Yeah. You can't, you better. can't just be like, oh, I'll get this, I'll get this. You are really, every decision is like, do I want to try to score this? Is this going to be good? If I give it up, it, it could be gone forever. Someone could take it. So it is, it does have a little bit more stress, I think <laughs> because of that. But uh, yeah, but we like it. We, we, we both like it. So uh, I guess uh, yeah. people have been compared to fantasy realms a lot. If you, ah, uh, yes, yes. So there's that. All right, so that's Red Rising. So that's the stuff that we've been playing um, because, of course, it's our 20th episode. We got to we gotta have a couple more fun segments that are going to be quick to, to end the show. <laughs> so we're going to start by playing a board game game. Okay, 
Uh, now, this week's board game game, uh, it's a bit of a collaboration because I borrowed it from uh, from Will. He invented this game. <laughs> Wait, you, you... Uh, give me credit. <laughs> uh, we played this uh, at some point on the show. Uh, the rules are right. <laughs> and in this game, the way it's going to work, it's a competitive game. The contestants this week will be uh, Amanda and Will. And just like the price is right, you're going to be the answers to each question are going to be a number and you're trying to answer with the closest number that you can without going over the real answer. And whoever gets closer gets a point. And uh, the way you did it, of course, from the title, the rules are right, was it was all questions about rules in games. And uh, I think I'm, I'm, I've mostly stuck to that. I tw- well. I, I, it's stretched. The idea is it could be rules. Sometimes it's just how many components are in the thing. So <laughs> Right, right. Something like that. But because it's our 20th episode and we're all excited about crits and everything. Uh, all the answers are 20? All of the... Oh. No, they're not. <laughs> all, of the, all of the questions are dice related. So they're all related to dice in various games. Uh, Amanda... Do you have any questions? And also, I will let you, as our guest, decide if we will alternate who goes first. But do you want to go first or second for the first round? Are you going to take it easy on me if I go first? <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes going first is usually going second is better, I think, in this game. But uh, that's what I'm thinking. I, yeah, I want to see what Will says first. OK, OK. Well, we're going to the first question is, um, uh, well, we'll see. Some of these are I don't know. You'll just I'll read them and you will react to them. <laughs> All right. So starting with you, Will, first question. When rolling two D6s, for example, in a game of Catan, uh, the most likely number, as most of us know, to be rolled is a seven. I'm going to give you that one. (laughs) What is the second most likely result? I'm going to go with a one. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) If if we're rolling it, yeah. Um, oh, I'm gonna so, go with a so, five. Oh, so you're you're you you are going first now, Amanda. Oh no, he said one, right? <laughs> oh, I thought, oh, that was a joke. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's a this, no. this is the problem, Will. You need to be clear with it. You're I should have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm new to this, y'all. I'm new to this. That's fine. Our sense <laughs> of humor, famously dr- witty and dry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, well, we'll say your answer and we'll give, uh, uh, if, if you want to change it or not afterwards, Amanda, you can. Okay. I mean, I was probably, uh, I mean, I'll just go with an eight. I was going to just be like, it's gotta be close to seven. Right. So <laughs> stick with that. All right. Amanda, you said five. Are you going to stick with five? I'll stick with five because we can't go over. Right. The whole point. The whole, yes, that's correct. You close without going over. All yeah. right. So, um, this one was kind of a trick question uh, because actually there are two answers. There are two numbers that are equally likely to Trixie's be rolled. Trixie's Hobbises. <laughs> Trixie's Hobbises. <laughs> and uh, those numbers are six and eight. So oh. Will gets that point. Uh, but I think I think it pretty much goes that way. I think the next one is like five and nine and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, okay, that's the first one down. All right. So now for you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Here's your question. In Dungeons and Dragons, players must roll a certain number or higher to succeed at an ability check. What number must be rolled 
in order to succeed at what the player's manual considers a very hard level check. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I've only played three one-shot RPGs, and none of them were Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'll tell I, you it uses a D20, so there's your there's right, your right, basis. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say, and you said hard level, right? Very hard. It is very called hard. very hard. I'm going to say a 15. I'm going to go with, keeping with the eight theme, 18. Mm. All right. Well, so we're sticking with eight and five. Again. We just added. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, um, you know, Will uh, has a bit of an advantage, more of a more of a D and D player. The actual number is twenty five. That's what is a very D- hard. What? Wait. Oh, because you because add because you can get bonuses from your oh. character. Oh. oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The impossible go. is the next level, which is a thirty. By the way. Uh, so <laughs> this game so. is going to be that two that you rolled in the very beginning for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We're going to, we're going to spread out to a lot of different areas here. Uh, next one is to start with will will in camel up in the game camel up. There is a uh, one die rolled in the, from the pyramid for each color of camel in the game, how many colors and therefore how many dice are there? I'm pretty sure it is orange, white, green, and blue, making four. (laughs) All right. But wait, I thought I saw, I remember a red camel. Well. It may be red. I may be calling orange red. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Will is locked in with a four. What do you you think? I, well, I can't say the same thing as him, right? Uh, I, I guess on Price is Right, you're technically not allowed to do that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. I'm uh, but I'll, I'll allow it. You can just tie if you really believe that that is the right answer. I think he's right that there's four. All right. Yeah. You have- I, I will say before you say your answer, Jonathan, I think I forgot yellow. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. No. Oh, hmm. Yeah, there. Wait, yeah, there is a yellow. There is a white. There's a brown, right? There's a red, and there's a green. Wait, but you also said there's blue. I'm pretty sure there's a blue camel. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I know there's a there is a referee camel that was like a doesn't come with a die. All right, shall oh, I okay. reveal well, we'll, the we'll answer? See. Yeah, reveal. All right, so I technically speaking, uh, I guess you both get a point. The actual answer is five. Oh, there I should have went with my first instinct. Colored mm-hmm. camels in there, uh, but uh, you both were under, and you both said the same thing. So you're both on the board. Oh, wait, what are the colors? Now I have to look this up. That I don't know. <laughs> that I can't tell you. I should have guessed this, John. I think there is an orange in there, but I. I, I it's I, I, okay. Ready? It's okay. Yeah. Orange, yellow. Blue, white, and green. So you are correct, Will. There was a yellow. Should have remembered the yellow. (laughs) (laughs) So confident. I'm like, I'm going to list the colors off because I remember them all. Uh And then afterwards, like, wait, there was a yellow camel. Uh oh. Oh no. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Good. We all learned something today. Uh, Next question is starting with you again, Amanda. So Mm -hmm. in the board game Dead of Winter, Mm-hmm. To move to a new location, players must roll the exposure die, which could have yeah. negative consequences. Now, based die. on the sides of this die, my question is, what is the likelihood 
that you will be bitten by a zombie when it is rolled? You could give your answer as a fraction or a percentage. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know there's a blank, there's a one, and there's a two. Um, but, hmm. Man, it's been so long since I played Dead, Dead of Winter because it's been so long since I've seen other people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 50 50. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I am worried now because I'm like, I'm trying to remember this die. I yeah, don't right? think it, and then now you said 50 50. I'm like, oh, that's def. Then I not, might not be thinking the right die. But I'm going to go with what I counted in my head. I think it's a 12 sided die. I'm thinking this die. Isn't there like a weird odd side? Like not 20, but like I will not uh, confirm. Uh, not as common <laughs> die. And I, I I'm gonna go with one sixth. Like I think two of them. All right. Oh, one dear. sixth. <laughs> so uh the actual answer, so it is indeed a 12-sided die. And while there are symbols where you can get uh frostbite from the cold. There is only one side of this die that will get you bitten by a zombie. It is a one wow. in 12 chance. That, uh, thank wow. God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Will is killing me on this game. <laughs> All right, we'll I made this game. <laughs> That's true. That's true, y'all. That's true. Well, there, you still have a chance to catch up. You've got a chance. There's, we, we got more here. Don't worry. Back, back to Will now for this one. We're staying on the zombie theme. Because in the game Zombie Dice, Zombies and Dice, mm -hmm. you roll three dice each turn, hoping to find brains and avoid shotgun blasts. Mm -hmm. In total, the game includes three red dice, which are difficult, and four neutral yellow dice. How many helpful green dice does it have? You know what? I'm going to keep the, the trend of the first two questions going. I'm going with an eight. Oh, then I'll right. keep the trend. I'll go with a five. <laughs> <laughs> all right the answer is six ah. six dice so uh oh, no you got it amanda, hey. amanda gets it will went too high yes it adds up to a total of 13 dice very spooky oh interesting have you uh speaking of zombie dice like there's isn't there like a popcorn dice game oh that yes. just came out I just heard about somewhere? that yeah van rider games i believe yeah uh, and they were talking about. Uh, I saw them tweet at AMC and said you should sell our game in your in your lives. Definitely, <laughs> that's yeah. so good. I'd be down for that. Uh, whoa, 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 no! Because just think about how overpriced it's going to be then. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as the popcorn. Uh, all right, now we're starting again with Amanda. Here we go. In the card game, this is a tough one. In the card game Wingspan, there are cards with text to the following effect. This is an example. Roll all dice not in the bird feeder. If any are uh, fish or rodents, you gain one of that type. Assuming there are four dice outside of the bird feeder when this ability takes effect, how likely are you to succeed on that roll? <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold on. So you're going to roll four dice. You want to get two of the, I think. One of two symbols. One uh, of two symbols, but there is. Let me think. There is. Yes, yes. Um, there's Which worms. two symbols that matters? <laughs> yeah, I, but I think there's six different resources. I thought they were all equally distributed. They're not. What if because one of them is the wheat slash bug symbol? Oh yeah. 
So if one of the things they're looking for is that, it increases the chances. Well, I found these odds that someone calculated on Board Game Geek, and I believe they <laughs> are correct. Let's assume it's not those. <laughs> yes, let's just oh, go wait, with that. Which was the, which was the two? Uh, in like, the example, I said fish or rodent. Okay. I think the I think the thing is though those birds that have that ability are all predators, therefore they don't go after bugs and wheat, which is why you don't have to worry about that. Okay. So, uh, two out of five. Oh my gosh! Now I'm like trying to do math. Two out <laughs> of know. five chance per die with four dice. That's right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's the exact question again? What's the percentage? <laughs> what's the likelihood that you will get one of those two symbols that you need? I just throw out oh a number. God. This is this oh is an God. SAT question. I next, know, next right? Us, how many apples does Jeff have if he has six and Sally has four and then he multiplies it by two? Wait, so gonna, Amanda, did you give me a number? Yeah, go I'm going to say, I'm going to say just for cautionary, I'm going to say 30%. Okay, 30%. Well, what do you think? 30? Lower? Oh, higher? Oh, God. No. Um, I mean, it's that many if it was just one die. But if you're rolling four. Yeah, I don't know how to do that permutation. Uh, right? I think I, I think it's the thing that uses the exclamation point. I forget what it's called. But, oh, oh, God. Like logarithms oh, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then it would be three times two times one. So then it would be 60%. Uh, I, I can't say that because you did it. I feel that that's cheating. That's cheating. What was yours? Thirty? Yeah. I'm gonna go with forty-five. <laughs> okay. Well, had you taken, had you gone with sixty, you would have been wrong because it would have been too high. Uh, again, I found this on Board Game Geek. Someone can check the math and tell me if this is wrong. But if, uh, according to my research, the answer is 51.8%. Oh, my I knew it gosh. couldn't be nice and even. I knew that. Wow. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, so uh, Will gets that point for being closer. All right. Final yeah. question. Last question. We're going to start with you, Will. Yahtzee, of course, <laughs> perhaps the most popular dice game that exists, has been printed numerous times different editions there's a firefly oh God, one there's a are you gonna ask back how to the future there are? i want to ask you one right no uh I, there has to be probably true <laughs> a court board game geek how many games with the word yahtzee in the title are there oh no oh my gosh Oh no! And there's um, different versions of Yahtzee. I think, like, not even just a yeah. reskin. There's also yeah, like yeah. battle Yahtzee, travel Yahtzee, yeah. and um. But what's registered on Board Game Geek? That's right. Hold on, let me do a quick step now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going. God, this is probably shooting high. I'm gonna go with 156. Whoa! I just think there's got to be like. Monopoly, you know. Well, I was like so thinking in the twenties. <laughs> I thought that Go was for it. <laughs> oh gosh, let me think. Let me think. Wow, you're going super high. I'm going to oh, man. How many IPs would that be? I'm I'm gonna go with uh, thirty. I mean. Almost on the dot, a board game geek. If you type in Yahtzee, you will get 31 results. Hey! Oh man! So yeah, yeah, not quite in the hundreds, uh, but yeah. there's a there's a bunch. I, I just assumed it's going to be like you know Monopoly, where like right, yeah, I can whatever see that. you need. Is uh, there a hundred different monopolies though? 
That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. That's I, in I, your next question. On your and next... even, yeah, <laughs> even some of these, um, like Yahtzee ones were like Yahtzee and Scrabble packaged together. Uh, <laughs> I will say I Googled just how many different monopolies. So not much more beyond that. And according to insider, there are many different versions of the game. Over 300 different <gasps> versions of Monopoly have been created. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's five pages of that on. Actually, no, it looks like there's 14 pages of that on Board Game Geek. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, that's a lot. So, I believe Will takes this one with a total score of five to three. Yeah. So, you know. I don't know. Close. That last one, though, was. I know. Almost, I should get an extra point. <laughs> I'll give you a bonus point. Five to four. There you go. <laughs> Makes me and, feel better. Uh, so that's our board game game. And I know we're going along, but I'm excited because it's our 20th episode. So I real yeah. quick, I want to take a trip to the Meeple Gallery. Meeple Gallery. I know you like that one. Wow. A, that was that one. was skills there to talk that fast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that was all natural. So, of <laughs> course, uh, our Meeples, our friends in the Meeple Gallery, sometimes write in with a question or a comment. And this week, I want to bring it to our friend Hoser40k, who asks, what is your board game origin story? So oh. I'll, I'll start with you, Amanda. What what was your what was your entry into the world of board games? How did you get started in, in this in this life? So I've always had board games. OK, so I'm an only child. But for some reason, I always loved board games over video games. So Christmases, I would get board games instead of video games. Although I did have a Nintendo. I did have the um, the Olympic mat. I did play Duck Hunt. I did have a board game. Uh, was it Game Boy? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but no, I remember, you know, I had Candyland. I had um, Mousetrap. I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know. Whoa. And I would just play either by myself or with my um, babysitters. But for the modern board game hobby, uh, I think it was around 2012. I went into, I had just moved. No, I didn't have, I just, I don't know. I found a board game store. Um, Wasn't that friendly, to be honest. But I went in (laughs) and I found a ding and dent copy of Caverna. And that was my first modern board game purchase. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And then Will Wheaton, you know, with Tabletop got me really into it. Now I have over 300 games and I am in deep, y'all. Very deep. <laughs> that's a that's a big one to start with, Caverna. That's a, yeah, you jumped into the deep end a little bit. I did, I did. <laughs> uh, Will, what about you? <laughs> this is one that I always had, like I, when you have these kind of thoughts, I was like, what was the start? Because maybe you played a board game, but you never really felt like what is the is the origin like when we say we're a board game hobbyist? Yeah, however like, you want to interpret it. I mean, um, you, you can go back as far as you want. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I started technically with Magic the Gathering like in seventh and eighth grade because that's when I moved across the country. And that did wonders for my uh, my sh- my social structure, which I was not <laughs> able to become friends with anyone. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just felt like everyone in that grade wanted to become either a president, like a politician or a sports athlete, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone in my class. And, uh, magic was sort of my escape granted, very competitive at the time, but I loved all the cool creatures. Uh, but I feel like the first time I really got into 
the board game was would be closer to college, and that was your your fault, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> uh, like as always, I mean, you're just like, hey, I have this thing called Munchkin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like Munchkin House on the Hill, Betrayal House on the Hill. I feel we're definitely the first big ones that I can remember. Yeah, uh, like you, Amanda. I mean, I grew up definitely with a lot of. We had Clue and Life and mm -hmm. Monopoly Junior, a Clue Junior as well, and uh, like Lice. I had like an Aladdin board game, and I I loved them. I and I would no one would play them with me, uh, and I would just and and pro like I didn't know probably the rules for half of them, but I would just take them out and just play with them like a toy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. I just had fun that way. But yes, definitely, I think in terms of the modern board games, Munchkin was like many my board my gateway drug and. Uh, I think I learned about it from the video show, Totally Rad Show, uh, at the time. And I became like, I, I loved it. I loved it so much, which today I would not really want to play Munchkin. But at the time, it was huge for me. And yeah, like, then I the branching out started slowly, like you said, Betrayal House on the Hill. But then one of the ones early on that we did, I did pick up because I was a big fan of the show Battlestar Galactica <laughs> was that game. So I had a little bit more of a progression, but like you with Caverna that we did, I remember early on jumping into that game. <laughs> yes. And I also on the other side of, oh, this should be fine because I would go and pick up, you know, go to Borders often. And I remember oh, they always had Arkham Horror. <laughs> Not Barnes & Noble, Borders. Yeah, Borders, Barnes, rest yes. in peace, okay, because yeah. they're no longer here. Right, right. And, and that was like, after we got in a little bit into games, like only barely any farther, I'm like, this is the next game I'm going to get. And I love it, but boy, did I not yet understand that if your game is long, you can't just have it hit the table oh, casually. Arkham Horror, yeah, oh. the original, yeah. or second edition Arkham Horror. Second edition, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. So, uh, so yeah, there you have it. There's our little bit of a window into our board game origins. Uh, if you have a question for the show, you can send it in like Hoser did to meeplegallery at gmail.com. And that's the end of the show. I'm so happy with it. And Amanda, you have been fantastic. And with all your effort that you've put in, you have gained some experience points. Oh, Which means you. you get to use them now to tell people where they can follow you on the internet. You can find, follow me anywhere by searching for Panda Angel. That's P-A-N-D-A, -A, the number eight. And as a Nancy G-E-L, I am a board game live Twitch streamer for the most part. But I also have a Twitter and an Instagram under Panda Angel Loves Games, all with underscores. But yes, just search Panda Angel with an eight and you'll find me everywhere. Awesome. We will have links to those things in our uh, show notes. So definitely go check it out. Uh, you know, like I said, we, this was our first time getting to talk to you and get to know you, Amanda. And I, I'm, I'm very happy you were here for our 20th episode. Cause uh, it was, it was a thrill and a delight and it was a, it was a good time. I had a great time. I hope everyone I had else a great did. Time too. <laughs> great. Good. I'm, everyone had a great time. Yay, I'm glad. 20th episode. Wait until we you're 21st. <laughs> That's right. Like I said, next week we will be drunk. Okay. So uh, if you're. Well, wait, yeah. next week. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, next in the next five minutes, probably. Um, 
if you are listening to this and you liked Roll for Crit and you want to find more of our stuff, you can find it uh, at rollforcrit.com. We have YouTube videos. Uh, we also stream not as frequently, but every once in a while. Uh, and you can also support us on Patreon if you like the show. We got a Discord server over there. We have weekly bonus episodes, our audio expansion podcast that are a lot of fun. Uh, or if you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That makes us feel good about ourselves if you like the podcast. <laughs> so that's the end of the show. We did it. Episode number 20. I think it was a crit that zero is in parentheses for our role this week. Uh, thanks again, Amanda, for hanging out with us. And uh, that's going to do it. My name is Jonathan. And I'm Will. And, and I'm Amanda. Is, and this is Roll for Crit. Boom. Boom.